Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Guidance is internal. Ignition sequence starts. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Permission to board, please. Permission to come aboard. Permission to board. Permission to board. Do I have some permission to board that sweet mothership? This is the Permission Granted Podcast. Here's DA. All right, welcome inside the PGP 103, everybody. The Permission Granted Podcast brought to you on iTunes, on Play.it, on Facebook, and on Twitter. The Permission Granted Podcast number 103 is available on all of those different platforms. You can subscribe for free on iTunes by ser- simply searching Permission Granted. We've got Jolt and Joe coming up a little bit later on because he was just in Canton for the debacle known as the cancellation of the preseason Hall of Fame game. So we'll hear from him on his road trip there. But Mraz joins me right now. And, you know, a couple of things here. Number one, Mraz, how was your weekend? I had a pretty good weekend. I made it back to the beach on Sunday. I had a wedding on Saturday. Oh, the, yes. I the saw the videos. Summer of weddings just never ends here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so pretty good. Good wedding time, good beach time. I had a solid, solid one-two punch. How about you? Uh, it was good. I got to take uh, a couple of days off. So um, You're loving these four-day weekends here. Yeah, very good. Got to get them in now be before football season starts because once September rolls around, I'll be doing the six-day work weeks with the Sunday morning football. So, Getting the days off in now, and with my day off last night, Monday night, I got to go to my old stomping ground, the place where I got my first internship, which was single-A baseball, Dutchess Stadium, Fishkill, New York, the Hudson Valley Renegades, the New York Penn League single-A affiliate of the Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, boy, the Tampa Bay Rays single-A affiliate? They trot all the way up the Hudson River there? Yeah, yeah. So uh, my first job was, my first internship was being the assistant to the lighting guy for the fan cam along the first base side. It's a big, heck of an internship. Big deal. Yeah, big deal. Uh, when I was, uh, this was summer of 96, so I was six, 17 years old, and uh, it was brought, th- those games, there was like a handful, maybe 15 games broadcast, maybe 10 or 15 games broadcast by RNN, a regional television network, actually where Brian Kenny began. Right. And he did the play-by-play up there. He was also a sports anchor for them. But it's like, you know, Hudson Valley Regional News. And they had the handful of games broadcast. And so on the first base side was the was a, was a, a reporter with a camera and lighting. And we would interview kind of funny fans that were in attendance and kind of local celebrities that might come to the game. Being wacky and goofy. Because this might sound crazy. Maybe it doesn't sound crazy. This was 96. They began in 94. The Hudson Valley Renegades were like one of the hottest tickets in minor league baseball for years, especially at that time. I guess because there's nothing really upstate baseball-wise. Is that why? Yeah, I mean, 
Syracuse has the Sky Chiefs, now the Chiefs, AAA. Buffalo Bison, they're AAA. Um, but, so there's minor league baseball all scattered across upstate New York. But just for that region, it was very, very big. It's near Poughkeepsie. It's near Fishkill. It's near Army and West Point. It's just a lot of people went there. And it's a little too far to go to the Yankees or the Mets on a regular basis. It's like an hour and change just to get down to the Bronx. So Okay. To be local up there. Um, Fills their baseball quota. Yeah, so it was a big deal. So we had a regional television broadcast. So I, I I, was helping out with the lighting and holding the cords and making sure the power and everything was good. So I did that for a while. So I got to go back anyway. I did a short video while I was there, which I'm going to post on YouTube. And uh, and I got to eat all their crazy foods over there. And it was pretty It was pretty awesome, man. It, I, I really like minor league baseball. I love minor league baseball, too. I was at a Ducks game a couple weeks ago, but there is something I need to bring up here. Yeah. Did you go with your girlfriend? No. Okay. Did you leave her back at the apartment again? No. No, no. She was out of town. Oh, okay. So you, now you got to pass. I'm going to say, you moved in with your girlfriend like three weeks ago. You've been running off to Saratoga like we di- you know, discussed last week. And then you're heading to my block party, and you, you know, then all of a sudden you make it runs from Mike Piazza bobbleheads while she's sleeping. Yeah. I feel like you're, you're treading in dangerous waters yeah, here, and here you are now... Basically wasting one of your nights off that you're going to have before you know September going to a minor league game. But as long as she's out of town, I give you the pass to do whatever. Yeah, she was out of town visiting her folks, so I I had a bit of a hall pass. There. Okay, I All was right. not going to be. I could not ask for that night off to go to the you know no. go to Fishkill to watch some minor league baseball. No. I just want to make sure I don't yeah. want to see you getting in trouble here. No, I know, and I'm glad you looked out for me there. But uh, it was it was great. I really had a great time. I love minor league baseball. It's in my bones. It's where my first couple of internships were. So that was a lot. How of many fun. people does the stadium hold? Like five thousand? Yeah, about five forty five hundred something like that. Okay, there was probably thirty five hundred last night. All right, they've and got the New York Penn League All Star Game coming up next week. Oh, it's got to be a big deal there, huh? Yeah, yeah, they get to host it. Huge, big deal. You know, get those Brooklyn Cyclones up there, tip yeah. their cap to the fans. Oh, yeah. That's a big, that's a big deal. <laughs> the Batavia Muck Dogs. Are they doing a home run derby for that? Do they I don't do that? know. I don't know. They do know. a whole festivity. They got the media day, everything. <laughs> I don't know. A celebrity softball game. <laughs> Last night, the Hudson Valley Renegades uh, played the Mahoning Valley Scrappers. That's a great name, the Scrappers. My second point question to that would be, where the hell's Mahoning Valley? I think Pennsylvania. Okay. I think it's probably beautiful this time of year. Yeah, well, there's a lot of a lot of pretty country over there. Um, and I asked a bunch of people there who the best player they've ever seen come through the Hudson Valley Renegades. First two years, uh 95 this is before the Rays were in existence. Mm-hmm. They were the Rangers affiliate, single A. Okay. Then they became the Rays affiliate. They've been the Rays since the beginning? Yeah. Okay, wow, good for them. Yeah. And um I got Two uh two good ones. Number one, everybody said Josh Hamilton. Oh, Josh Hamilton came through there. Interesting. Yeah, Ninety nine. They won the New York Penn League that year. Apparently he used to hit monster home runs into the forest. That's pretty crazy. That's the that's crazy to think. That just shows you when you go to these minor league games, you never know who you're you don't yeah. think of it at the time, but well. you never know who you're gonna see. And then uh the second one that popped up, um, Evan Longoria. I was hoping you were going to give me a Rocco Baldelli, but okay, I'll stick I with I thought they might say Rocco Baldelli. I always Interesting. really liked Baldelli. I loved Baldelli. Yeah. Italian player, I loved him. Yeah. I was really uh, hoping for like Joe DiMaggio stardom for him. I know. And then um, and then Wade Davis apparently was Oh, excellent. okay. You know what? See? That's not bad for going through yeah. there. That, a little waffle burger, and away you go. That's a good time. I know. I'll, yeah, I'm going to talk extensively about the food that I ate there on uh, the regular show. Okay. So. Yes. All right, number two. 
Uh, before I came in today, I uh, you saw me. I went down to one of our local markets to um, to get some food before the show. I didn't. I ate this giant burger yesterday that I'm going to talk about on the air. Uh, I ate this giant waffle uh, chicken sandwich. I'm going to talk about that. I just was done with sandwiches, so I wanted something a little bit lighter. So I wanted something with rice, uh, mm-hmm. like a little wok, little walkie walk and roll. Waka waka. And I went to one of our Asian marts close, and uh, Asian I, mart. And I got, I got uh, sautéed shrimp over rice, and it was under the heat lamp, and it was terrible. <laughs> Shocker! Terrible. You terrible. Can't, first of all, terrible. A couple things here. Bad decision. You cannot eat seafood under a heat lamp. No, you can't. Okay. Why and, did I do that? And at the time of taping here, you're okay. But I'm telling you right now, three hours after taping this, this isn't going to be a good scene for you. You know, seafood sitting wrong. there under a lamp like it's a science project is, is going to lead to bad news. It felt better because it was sealed, previously sealed, but it was cooked earlier in the day and then kept under the heat lamp right. in this seal. No, that's no good. That's no, bacteria it's growing. Good. It's not good. It's a terrible decision. You should be smarter than that. That's a terrible decision. Yeah, I don't know why I did that. That's a mistake I would make. And they've got... They've got previously made pad thai over there, and it's delicious. I should have just gotten that. And that would have been fine. You just, nothing seafood. First of all, seafood's not necessarily great reheated, but when it's just constant no. heated under a heat lamp, no. it's definitely not good. No, no, no. Terrible, terrible no, mistake no. by you. I know. Number two, I they gave me the fork, and then oh, I opted geez. for, um, I said, well, let me grab chopsticks as well, because when I eat Asian food, I prefer chopsticks. Because you're a loser. Let's be honest. Because I want to get into the mode, and I think it's actually it it makes me feel like I'm actually eating Asian food. I like the I like the feel of it, and I like individually picking out little piece. I don't need to shovel things into my face with a fork or a spoon. Well, you know the fork has prongs on there that allow you to individually. You don't have to use it as a shovel. <laughs> Nobody uses it to like spear their food. Everyone I've always done uses it. it. No, yeah, I have done. I don't no. do it often, but I've done it. It's not a trident. Okay, okay I've done it. <laughs> no, everybody uses it as a shovel because we are Americans and we shovel food into our face. But that doesn't mean you have to use it as a shovel. You know, using the chopsticks is just embarrassing. Nobody uh, needs them anymore. Well, I They're think useless pieces of equipment. I think it's embarrassing when you go to a nice Chinese restaurant and use a fork. I think no, that's not embarrassing. It looks very uncultured. Enough with the cultured. What's comfortable? It's not comfortable sitting here with the two wood sticks. It's not you might res- as well start a fire. It's not respectful of the other person's culture. If it wasn't respectful, they wouldn't even offer the fork. <laughs> no, they offer the fork, so which means they're okay with it. No, nah, I don't think they're okay. They're they're th- fine with it. I think they look. And don't down talk about them. respect. You sat there and ate it with a hat on. If you want to talk about respect, you're supposed to eat with your hat off, right? I wasn't in a restaurant. Well, it doesn't matter. You were in a in a room. Oh come on, you take off your hat every time you absolutely eat. absolutely not. But I'm disrespectful. <laughs> oh, come on, I should. I wish I, but I wish I could have used the chopsticks. Except they gave them to me, and they were sealed, and they were not broken at the end. And there was no way I could break them apart. They were like one long piece of well, wood. You said you could have broken them apart, but you didn't want to touch them. I tried. Oh, and it didn't work? No. I tried. Okay. All right. I mean, that's fair enough. But I think you learned a valuable lesson here. Just eat with a freaking fork. I tried. Uh, and I didn't like it with a fork. And it made <sighs> an already sub uh, substandard meal even more so. You're the worst. You're literally the worst. Number three, I'm walking by out there to uh, to this place. I'm walking back, and uh, it's a pretty hot day. It's probably got to be in the high 80s right now. And there's homeless. There, I saw a homeless guy. Okay. Sleeping on the street. Okay. okay. Was it underneath the Starbucks down there? It was right across the street next to the Pret-a-Manger. Is okay. that how you pronounce that? Yeah, Pret-a-Manger. 
Fred Amanger. I can't believe I'm asking you. I assume. Good Fred sandwiches. Am- so, and this guy is, I mean, he didn't look like he had set up camp there for a long time. You know, there are some homeless people that it, you have the mattress there and all your bags. But right, this they is, find a home. It's a very busy intersection right in front of major businesses. So he looks like he had just started sleeping there. And he looked relatively young, maybe in his 40s or 50s. Uh, you know what? No, 30s or 40s. Relatively young. Um, and he was sleeping. Wait, can I stop you for a sec? Yeah. I have no idea what direction this story is going in, so it has me anticipating. <laughs> so uh, it's pretty hot out. He was in a little bit of the shade. Now, I don't want to be um, disrespectful towards the homeless population because I think that they deal with a lot of issues that we all take for granted, and we, we're not very compassionate or sensitive to it. I mean, we're talking about mental illnesses and addictions and all of this that could push you onto the street broken families, everything like that. So this is not making fun of being homeless. I just, though, thought there's got to be a better situation than a busy corner in the sun in the middle of the afternoon when you're sitting down on a sidewalk. I mean, if if I'm homeless here, don't you go to a park where there's grass? I know there's not a lot of grass in New York City. Don't you have to find the grass? I guess you do. And I, my guess would be they probably find the grass at night because during the day there's kids playing everywhere and they probably get chased out by cops all the time. I th- I see a lot of homeless sleeping on the sidewalk, which has got to be so uncomfortable. Maybe they got a stiff back? I don't think every homeless person has a stiff back. It's got to be uncomfortable. I would also say this. Who knows what's going on in the inner workings of their world as far as like maybe he got into a fight with the you know other people he hangs out with in an area and he just had to find a quick area to crash at. Maybe. maybe. You know what I mean? Maybe. I would imagine, and, I, and I'm really not trying to be insensitive, that a lot of homeless people, there's probably some cliques out there. You know what mm, I mean? Mm, that's a good point. So, hey, who knows? Maybe a little beef went down. I, I You know, I got to go to the Pret. I just thought it was so obvious. You're sitting in the sun on the sidewalk, on the pavement of a busy intersection. And maybe he was uh, panhandling there, so there was more foot traffic. Yeah, I mean, you got to make some scratch, right? Yes, so maybe there's more foot traffic. That would be kind of smart to get to the highly populated place. But in terms of comfort, and at this point he was not panhandling, he was sleeping. At this point, I'm going, if I'm going to fall asleep, get me off of the pavement, out of the sun. And and he was slightly in the shade, but you could tell that was very dicey. One, a couple inches one way or the other, you're in the hot sun. Middle of the day, you got to find grass. You got to find a cool... Uh, over Overhang kind of deal? Yep. Uh, the subway, maybe. You know what? I think I know what this guy was up to, and I think he might be smarter than you're giving him credit for. What happened? He's not panhandling per se, but, you know, let's face it. In New York, nobody wants to be bothered. Nobody wants to be asked to give money, right? right. You see a guy like you just saw sleeping there in the sun, the whole deal. You suddenly feel bad for him. That's when you throw him the buck. But he's not looking. There was nothing out to throw. You throw it on him. I think he. I think he's on to something. That's some. disrespectful. You can't throw it on him. You, that's disrespectful? You're throwing money on a person? He's not a statue. He's not a fountain. Haven't you ever been to a strip club? What do you do with the girls? How do you <laughs> well, think they make their oh, money? Yeah, he's not a stripper. Okay. Well, you know what? Maybe that's his way. He hopes, you know what? That's his way? It could be. Uh, maybe he's trying something new. He's got a new new way of trying to figure out how to make some money. He's got some new material he's working out. <laughs> you obviously didn't go for it, but I might be more prone to throw a five spot on him. If you were homeless... Would you stay in New York? No. You got a lot of foot traffic, okay, and it's big. It's sprawling. No. You know why? And you got a subway, so you can go, always go down to the subway. 
I, you know why I'm out? What? Too many other homeless in the major cities, so there's too much competition. If I get on a train and go to a suburb, I might find a town where I'm the only homeless person. Suddenly, you befriend people. You're making more money that way. You're the only show in town. You'd go to the suburbs to be homeless? Yes. I've seen people in, in certain Long Island towns. Really? Uh, and they'll and they actually know, and the local fire departments will take care of you and stuff like really? that. Uh, we had a, a homeless man in West Babylon named Alex. He was the only homeless man we, you know, we had. The only show in town there. The fire departments always took care of him. Everybody was always giving him waters and, and money and all this stuff. Oh. And, and not that you lived a good life. Don't get me sure. wrong. But again. But relatively speaking. In the city, you're used to the home. Any any of these cities. I mean, we went to San Francisco. There's a large homeless population there. In any city, there's a ton of homeless. So on one hand, yeah, you have a lot of people to interact with that are also homeless. But they're all, in essence, your competition as well. And that's a good point. I would think going to the suburbs, you get harassed more easily because the suburbs ah. don't want riffraff on the streets or homeless people in the streets. So that you know that the cops ha- who have little to do anyway in the suburbs are going to be always harassing you. I think they're more prone to take care of you because you're the, if you're the only one. Now, if you come with a with a group of ten of you, I don't think that they travel in groups of ten. Okay, but that's the point though. If if all of a sudden a group of ten people pop up in a suburb that are homeless. They might say, oh, this is bring." But if there's one pushing around a cart everywhere in the town, you might be more prone to help the person. Hmm. More sympathetic. Less competition. Well, that's an interesting angle. I, I would have to go south. I don't know how. I give them so much credit around here in the winter oh. when it's brutally cold. I don't know how they do it. I'd have to go south. I'd travel south. But then the further south you get, the hotter it gets during the summer. I, but I would rather be hot than freezing cold in the middle of the night in the winter. Okay, I, I could see that because when the snowstorm, you want to get away from snow. Oh my goodness! Because you don't want to get hypothermia. I already want to be frostbite. away from snow, and I have a, a roof over my head. No question. If I'm sleeping on benches. Ah, oh, your toes are falling out of your shoes. The snow is coming down. There's no way. Bad situation. Yeah, I, I mean, think I, I think you bring up a good point. That's why Miami, Los Angeles, and San Francisco make a lot of sense. That's right. Why, because hey, well, San Francisco it's sixty degrees basically all year round. Gotta like it. I think that's ideally the perfect place to be homeless. Uh, I think Los Angeles. Well, look, the way that... Los uh, Angeles is not really a good rail system, though, right? No. If you want to travel point A to point B, you need a good rail system, too, I think. You do need a good rail system because you need to travel inexpensively. Yes. You can't be... You're not driving anywhere. Nobody does hitchhikers anymore. So I think Los Angeles is a bad spot. Maybe. I can't believe it took us to PGP 103 to really break down how you would like to live if you were homeless. Well, you know what? And I, Again, I'm not trying to be insensitive here. I've thought about this. Yeah. No, I th- actually think it's a good debate topic. I, I think a lot of people probably have. I have thought if if I lost everything, I lost my family, I lost my friends, I lost my job, and I just, I was forced onto the street. Just you and a pair of chopsticks on the street. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I've thought about what I would do. I've thought about my decisions that would I, I would need to go through to get myself back. So basically, up. if you were if you were homeless, nowhere else to turn, you're on an Amtrak to uh, Myrtle Beach. I don't think I could afford an Amtrak. Well, it depends. Like, do, do I have a hundred dollars worth of savings? I mean, you have to ration that out. But right. if I'm starting from zero, I'm probably panhandling until I can get enough money to get some cheap type of transportation south, and then I can. I can collect myself, unless it's the middle of the summer and I have a couple months to play with up here. But <laughs> a couple months to play with. I know that once November comes around, I need to be out of the north. I need to get out of here. I, hell, I'll walk. Like a seagull. I, I'll, I'll do whatever. Uh, and then I think you you have to try to take advantage of our services as a country to, to use shelters, shelters um, and then hopefully job placement places. 
You know, you've got to find one good pair of clothes. It's hard, but you have to find one good pair of clothes that you keep cleaning. You, you know, maybe if you have a job interview or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. For your first day at, at a job, right? Um, but you can always go to Salvation Armies. They've got quarter days for like shirts, right, and for pants, and so you can make you can probably get a decent uh, thing of clothes. Like one set of clothes for your interview day for probably four bucks. Good point. I do think if you, you know, and honestly, if you go to a Salvation Army, they knew you were homeless and you were like, look, I, I, I got a job interview the next day. I think they would probably just They'd hook probably you hook up. you up. Yeah. They'd probably hook you up. Um, so, yeah, I think that's the play. Then you have to, and you really have to. Like commit to it, you know. You can't be flaky. You have to. The, they've got to trust get, you. Oh yeah, you got to get to the uh, the interviews, yep. the whole deal. Next thing you know, you got a little more money in your pocket, and, and then away you, start, you go. Yeah, start building that. You still start building up. Maybe you can get a little apartment, you know, a little studio, and you know, next thing you know, you're an entrepreneur. But that's why you can't be in New York as well because you can't afford anything. No, you around can't here. afford it. Absolutely right. New York City, the worst spot to be a homeless person. Yeah. Eight five five two one two. What's the best city? Give us a ring. <laughs> I think we filled up the twenty minutes, right? Yeah, looking at the clock, I think we've uh, we've hit the clock here. Okay. So, uh, well, I'll tease side B coming up here. Yeah. Side B coming up. I will host Joe D. We will discuss uh, his trip to Canton. I really want to get inside his head and figure out if is it worth it to go to Canton to go check out the Football Hall of Fame and what exactly is in this town if you've uh, if you've never been. Oh, I think it's worth it to go to Canton. It's not worth it if you're going to go see a preseason football game that gets canceled. You might be interested in Joe's answer then on side B. Oh, that's a good tease. Right. Plus, once again, Unite of fans, we have to get into it for the third straight week. We had a big episode of the Night of, so that's all coming up next on side B. Okay, there it is. All right, welcome to Side B, the Permission Granted Podcast. I am the executive producer of the DA Show, Sean Mraz, with a creaky microphone here. Joined, welcome back from Canton, Jolton Joe D'Aloisio. Joe, how are you? I'm doing great, Mraz. It's great to be back, as always. It is great to be back. Uh, and what is, as we approach, or pretty much are in the dog days of August here at CBS Sports Radio, and in general, uh, as we really try to pedal towards the calendar, which is football, and I know you went to what should have been the start of football, which we're going to get into in a sec. But a uh, few programming notes. As I know a lot of you guys listening to the show every night, we've kind of been all over the place as far as uh, DA having days off and DA filling in for Doug. I just want to say from my point of view, thank you guys very much for continuing to listen and, and downloading and listening to this Permission Granted podcast. I know the summer months with this show could be a little difficult, uh, but, it, I mean, it is what it is. DA's done a great job and, and thankfully gets those opportunities to fill in for Doug, and he deserves his days off, too. So if you've been listening, you've heard us with John Kincaid, with Mark Malusas, with John Jastrzemski. Bear with us. Uh, and DA's back for a couple nights this week, obviously, as you've heard, if you've been listening to this. I believe he'll be off all of next weekend for Doug, and then he's back. After that, should be back full throttle as we take you from there all the way up until the Super Bowl. We know when the occasional day sprinkled off here or there. But as soon as football season hits... The DA show in its entirety should be there for the most part every single night. Again, sprinkle day off there and occasionally for anybody on the crew could happen. But for the most part, the DA show is ready to go here for football season. If you just stick it out another couple weeks here with the topsy-turviness of you know fill-ins and not knowing who's in on any given day. That being said, let's get into the nuts and bolts of the Permission Granted podcast here. As you heard, if you listened to Tuesday's show, Joe described uh, what happened there at Canton and basically you got screwed over, so to so to speak. Joe makes a Packer trip every year to go see his Packers. This year was an easy decision. He's going to see them in a preseason game because 
he could double dip and see his idol Brett Favre make the Hall of Fame. Now, Joe, obviously, you know, we discussed what we discussed on the show. As far as the Hall of Fame itself, though, this was your first time in Canton or no? No, this was my second time. Um, okay. My first time was when uh, Emmett Smith and Jerry Rice got inducted. Okay. All right. Is it a football fans trip? You know, like, is that something you should go to? I think it's definitely something you should go to as long as there's a, a, a purpose. I Honestly, I don't think I would I would be going there just to go there. You know what I'm right. saying? Like, if, if your favorite player retired... He's going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame. It's a must. Uh, if if he's not, then it then it's tough. It's it's kind of all there is is the Hall of Fame. That's it. That's it. Well, okay, so that's what I'm saying. You don't necessarily have to go to the induction, but like to go to the actual Hall of Fame, it's like any other Hall of Fame. Okay, so you're I guess you're underselling. You're telling me really go if you really want to experience a player get inducted. Otherwise, don't worry about going. Yeah, honestly, yeah, because they, other than the actual Hall itself. There's nothing in Canton. There's nothing to do. There's nothing there. And even during this weekend, there's events that are going on. But in terms of, like, other things, there really isn't anything else to do. It, it is a good Hall of Fame. It's like any other, pretty much, professional Hall of Fame. Have you been to Cooperstown? I haven't. Okay, so but, have you been to any other Hall of Fame? I Actually, I haven't. But oh, I'm so assuming... how the heck would you know it's like any other Hall of Fame? <laughs> I mean, I assume they're all the same, so that's okay. a bad job by me, probably. Well, let me just tell you, because I've been to two that you haven't been to. I've been to the Baseball Hall of Fame, which is very much a museum to baseball, and basically a little village or town, if you will, It's kind of dedicated to the history of baseball. I mean, there's restaurants, there's and shops. See, that's, okay, there's no village in Cane, but they're building that. They're in the process of making okay, it so a they're village. Trying to, so right now, it's just the museum, just essentially, the museum. And, the, and the big field. And like you said, there was a Denny's, I think you mentioned last week. Yeah, I mean, there's Denny's all over the place, a bunch of other... Where uh, did you eat on the trip? Oof, we went to Denny's. You hit the Denny's, okay, good. We went the uh, Texas Roadhouse. Okay. Oh, great cinnamon butter with the rolls oh, there. those were delicious. Yep, okay. And uh, the last night, we did, uh, instead of watching the uh, Hall of Fame game, we went to Buffalo Wild Wings. Gotta be there. Got to be there. Got some uh, medium wings. Watched the Olympics. Uh, it was eventful. So, sounds like a heck of a vacation. Whew. Okay, well, anyway, so Cooperstown, they have that. Uh, and I was just recently, earlier this summer, in Toronto for the Hockey Hall of Fame, which is literally in downtown Toronto. So unlike being in a small town like Cooperstown or Springfield or Canton, I mean, the whole city's at there's your fingertips. There's things to do. There's things to do, yeah. There's, there's things to do. So basically, you're, you would rate from what I've described to you where the Baseball Hall of Fame is and what I've described the Hockey Hall of Fame to be like. Football probably be to be the worst as far as like, you know, if, let me let me rephrase that. How long does it take you to go through the Hall of Fame? It took us about, and now we went bright and early, so we avoided everyone. It took us about 40 or so minutes. Okay, so let's just say an hour, if you go a little slower. It's an hour to go through the Hall of Fame. You're telling me you go all the way there for that hour, and then if you're not there for the induction ceremony, there's literally not another thing to do. Yeah, it wouldn't be worth it if you're not going for the whole thing. If you're not going to go for the whole in, like, whole experience, including the enshrinement ceremony and the Hall of Fame game, hoping that it's actually played, then I don't think it's worth it just to, to go out to Canton just to see it. Okay, so there you go. So that's Joe but, telling you not worth the trip to go see the Football Hall of Fame. But uh, I'll be honest, when it's all finished and the village is in and there's restaurants and other small like shops, like right now the shops that they have, there's a shop inside the actual Hall of Fame, right. and then they have merchandise tents set up. Oh no, no, you need like you know. I know Cooperstown. They have like baseball card stores. And they stuff don't have like that. that. It, there's tents, and then there's their one store. You know what I mean? So it doesn't seem like it's like anything. Big. I mean, it's great if you're a football fan okay. and you love the history of football. It's definitely a destination. But like I said, you got to go. 
and do the entire weekend. Okay, now myself and Jay Berman are planning on going there and running down there because we're going to Cleveland. Now, would you say it's a waste for us to get in a car and go down there for the hour? No, because you're there. You're, you're, you're essentially there, so, you know, rather than drinking an extra hour, you might as well go check that out. <laughs> Fair point. Okay, all right. I just want to be, I, I wanted to hear, because, again, I thoroughly enjoyed my time at the Hockey Hall of Fame. I thought that was awesome. The Baseball Hall of Fame's cool, but like you said, not much to do, but at least they have a little village. Uh, the Hockey Hall of Fame was a little more interactive. There was stuff to do there. The Football Hall of Fame is pretty much just exhibits, right? Pretty much exhibits. They had a, they installed this new like virtual locker room thing, which was pretty cool, where they had a, holo- a hologram, a holograph. A, holog- a hologram, the thing that Tupac comes out to. Yeah, of uh, Joe Namath. And then a few like coaches like describing like the inside scene of a locker room, oh, which was cool. cool. And they had like another show that was called like you're on on the way to like the Super Bowl and you go through like this a season. It it was it was good. It was okay. good. Now Joe, we've documented your how should we sell it? Uh exploits as a single man hanging out with ladies, the whole deal. You're how old now? 24? 24, yes. 24-year-old man. You essentially took a 3-4-day trip that would amount to be your summer vacation to Canton, Ohio to see Brett Favre go in. Any regrets as far as not going to Cancun, Vegas, something like that with the boys? Not at all. Really? Not at all. No. Girls in a pool party don't do it for you? I mean, yeah, they do it for me, of course. But um, not at all. I've I've had plenty of just weekends off this summer. Not plenty, but a few weekends off this summer where I was able to uh, enjoy myself. All right, well, that's good. It's good to know you haven't lost your football fandom. Now I think it's uh, it's that time again, and this is we've gotten hits on this, so this is why we're going to do this, okay? So for those of you who have not watched the night of, I apologize that this is going to be the third street week we talk about this. I have to be transparent, though, and tell you, this show has riveted everybody in HBO. It's a short miniseries. Again, this isn't like a show we're going to talk about for seven straight years. we got three more weeks or so to talk about it. And to be frank, when we tweet this out, I'm getting followers from it. I know Joe's getting followers from it, and we're getting clicks on it because people want to hear people talking about the night of. So, again, second half of Side B here, we're going to break down the night of and the season, that, uh, the episode that just aired Sunday night because we finally got some answers. So, answers. once again, spoiler alert. If you spoiler haven't watched, alert. spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. All right, Joe. Where do we even begin? Where do we even begin? There's so much to dissect. Let me say this uh, as a generalization. The best episode since episode one, as far as I'm concerned. Easily. Okay? Easily. We learned so much. It, it painted the scene as to what's to come in these final three episodes. Right. And it really feels like if this was a movie, I mean, this movie could be wrapped up in the next hour. So they still have to get through three more episodes, which is interesting. Now, I guess we could start where it ends, in essence, which is we now have another suspect besides Nas, or at least a suspect that's on Nas's defense team's radar that apparently... Uh, the AD or anybody isn't aware of the at, DA, the DA, not the AD. I'm, you know, district what? attorney. Again, this speaks. DA. This speaks to the show. DA is the host. AD. I've been emailing athletic directors trying to get uh, some college coaches on here before the start of the season. All right. So I my brain is working that way. Guess that you get the a slide ADA, there. the assistant district attorney. No. Okay. Anyway, there. Uh, this person's not on their radar, but it's when we did a poll two weeks ago, and we and we discussed who we think the killer is on the night of. The suspect that emerges in in episode five is the man I said, which was the man who walked past with his buddy in front of the apartment, okay, and he doesn't say anything, and when the buddy comes back to the scene, he says he was by himself. That whole thing kind of gets uncovered where it's kind of sudden where Nas brings up to to Stone and Chandra that— There was somebody else. There was somebody else. Well, no, there's two guys. So Stone looks into it and ends up finding the guy, ironically and very funnily— 
Funnily? I don't think that's a word. Funny-ish is named Dwayne Reed. And Stone thinks that the buddy's lying about him being named Dwayne Reed because it's a popular uh, pharmacy in New York City. Turns out his name is Dwayne Reed. And by the end of the episode, as we know now, Stone is basically in a chase for this guy. As he brings up, tells the guy, I want to talk to you about that night, whatever. And this guy takes off. Now, he's taking off because he knows something. He knows something, and quite frankly, I think you're right. I think he's guilty. Why else would you run off like that? Right, and they discussed that he is uh, has records of going and robbing places with knives and stuff like that, so there's a lot pointing to it. Now, as much as I'm pumped up and I think I've gotten this correct, I must add there still feels like there's something more here for three episodes to go, right? Because maybe he's in it with the stepfather. Maybe he's in it with something to do with the drug dealer that, that we met in this episode as well as the Toros turning over stones. I think this might be a, a multifaceted situation. Yeah, let's not forget that drug dealer that we met there who we we learn did sell Andrea drugs, not necessarily the night of. But in the past. But in the past. So we'll definitely see more of him now right. that he's I, been introduced. As I, guess, I guess the defense team is trying to work it up where, as they mentioned, that Andrea does drugs and gave the drugs to Nas, which would be an easy defense. So now I wonder if that really is that's the first— Thing angle that that Stone and Chandra are shaking loose, and then by the end of the episode, we learn there's another suspect. So maybe they veer off that drug thing, or maybe it's all connected. Of course, we don't know. Now, the second part of this is Nas essentially has become a true criminal in a sense. He's now shaved his head to try to fit in with Freddie and the boys. Okay, the Freddie and the boys. Right. They both both the uh, the district attorney and the defense team have taken Good Boy off their board as they find out that he's taken Adderall or whatever speed he's taken. Which, I mean, as a college kid taking Adderall, fine. But it makes him look worse, okay? Of course. And the district attorney, as was noted in the episode previously by the lawyer that left, is sharpening her knife, so to speak. She has box going over his whole night, and they have the girl, Andrea, getting into the cab after he's kicked two men out, and she looks at that as intent. Then she goes to the medical examiner, and she basically points to the blood marks on the hand and says... Uh, on Nas's hand says, you know, basically tries to get him to say what she wants to hear. Which shows the corruption in the system. Right. So I think in essence this is now, the show is a race against time three ways, okay? The race against time is we see Nas now in prison. Uh, you know, he's smuggling in the drugs. That was a disgusting scene where he's swallowing Ugh. it and he's letting it out. At which the, he, which uh, Totoro and Chandra both knew what was going on. Which and, is crazy. And, and told him, hey, you keep this up and it's you're never leaving this place. Right. Exactly. So we have that part of it, okay? So Nas, in essence, is basically because he's a Muslim accused of murder and whatever to a woman, ha- needs protection in prison or he will not survive. But it's a deal with the devil, in essence, because the person he's getting protection from is Freddie, who now has him being a drug mule and, you know, kicking the crap out of guys in showers. And Nas is almost enjoying that lifestyle, it seems, because... You know, coming from a very, you know, reserved Muslim family where he's kind of, you know, was always had like the, you know, been tied on. He's now smoking cigarettes, his hair shaved. He now seems to, uh, since he met Freddie and and asked Freddie for help, seems like he has some extra power that you've never seen him have in the earlier episodes. In a weird way, he's locked up in prison, but it feels like he's more free than ever. Absolutely. I would agree with that, yes. So that's, that's something I take from that. So now we have that side of it, okay? So now... As Stone and Chandra are working and turning over every stone on this case, no pun intended, and they, by the end of the episode, have another suspect, while all this is going on, Nas is basically becoming a, a modern-day criminal within the jail itself because he's smuggling drugs and he's doing all he can to protect himself, where to the point where I think he's forgetting the real, you know, thing he should be worrying about, which is his freedom. And getting out. And getting out. Instead, he's kind of embracing that life. And on the other side, 
is the district attorney and such making sure they line everything up and get all their witnesses in a row and basically have everybody lined up to say what they want the jury to hear and not what's actually going on, but shows the corruptness of it. So it's, you know, what it's almost like going to going to Yankee Stadium, one of these stadiums, seeing like the subway race or, or like the sausage race at Miller Park, right? Like which one of these things is going to happen first? Like is Nas going to become a full-fledged criminal where it doesn't matter anymore? Is the district attorney going to have the case painted so far the other way that it doesn't matter what Stone and Chandra come up with? Or can Stone and Chandra get the real killer if it is not Nas, which I don't believe it is, and get enough evidence to show the district attorney show before Nas is a full-fledged criminal in the system, before, the, before it's too late on the district attorney's side? It's a three-horse race here with three episodes to go. There's a lot going on there. Did I lay that out properly, would you say? Absolutely, and I was going to say what, you know, something to look for in these next few episodes, these final episodes, is what does Nas do? Because as they previewed in the upcoming episode, it seems as if he's now scared. When Totoro told him, like, hey, you better stop the nonsense— it seemed like that stuck with him, and you see a, a quick interaction with him and Freddie in the upcoming episode where he's nervous and he's scared. And you could tell even when he smuggled the drugs this time that he was nervous about it. He, you know, and, and there's just part of me that thinks that things will clear up for Nas in terms of the defense, but he may end up, in essence, screwing himself over. Okay, now I'm glad you brought that up. What do you think ultimately happens to Nas when the show is all said and done? I think he gets. I think he get, he's going to end up getting close to screwing himself, but I do think he gets out. I would agree. But my wife brought up an interesting point. She believes now. If you notice in this episode, basically Freddie really wants Nas toughen up, and he has him now boxing and all this stuff. And and Freddie has made several mentions of needing a sparring partner. Remember, he beat the crap out of the guy two episodes ago, or something yes. like that. And he mentioned something in this episode. Oh, that guy used to be my sparring partner. It's very evident that Freddie is looking for somebody as tough as him to spar with, and it seems like he's training Nas to be that. My wife seems to think right before we find Nas is going to be innocent and they do all this work that in a sparring match, so to speak, Freddie's going to end up whether it's on accident or on purpose, killing Nas and while boxing, like beating him to basically bloody oblivion. That's that's interesting. Now, I thought in this past episode, when Nas ends up beating up the guy that spilt right. the uh, the hot water and baby right, who oil. was asking for it by mouthing off back. Exactly. Um, I thought he was actually gonna Nas was actually gonna kill him there, right there and then. And they had to take him away and say, "You're about to kill the guy. He's in ICU." Like, right. And they definitely show Nas is like pent up rage, but I don't think that has anything to do with the murder. I think that's trying to stick your nose that way and try to direct you. Oh, maybe Nas did do it. I'm not buying that. No, I I don't buy that either. I, think I still doing... don't think he did it. No, I don't either. Again, I point to the blood splatter. I think there'd be blood splatter on for Again. sure. For now, sure. before we wrap this up, two more points in that episode. A, what does the UV light mean? The UV light was on in the beginning is, you know, tutorials. Again, looking at the feet. The feet are always the there. The feet are so gross. Uh, it's so difficult to watch. Very every funny, scene, very no. funny scene with the, the, the sun basically says, could we put some shoes on here in school? I'm past and, that. No I'm, pa- more. I'm past that. No more. But again, the UV light at the end of the episode appears as it basically shines down. The UV light, something, there's something symbolic about that. And maybe they're going to need the UV light. And maybe this ties into the next thing. Totoro saves the cat, and again, the cat symbolizes Nas, right? He uh, he saves Nas from getting gas. Totoro's now back on the case, so he pulls the cat back in. Is there something to do with that UV light shining on the cat down the line? There's definitely something so- is with the cat. There, no, there's. I think they end up using that cat as evidence for sure because he he, as you notice, he's always caring for that cat with gloves. 
Exactly. So, so and he's and the cat's in its own room. It looks like it's in its own room where no one else could really mess around with it. Right. So I think that they eventually use that as evidence, and there's some type of trace of DNA on it. Something with the cat, and for the guy that Chandra and Stone hire to come in and look at the house at Andrea's house. That guy basically, again, plays with that back gate, the same gate that obviously the lock is broken or something where Andrea lets the cat of cat out on the night of, if you will. So obviously the killer could have gotten in through that gate, and that's kind of noted there, like, okay, this gate doesn't lock, so somebody could have gotten in here. That's where the cat was standing. There's some kind of tie-in, cat, gate, UV light, something is going to happen here. And also, if you notice, the guy who was taking the pictures, there was a point where he went outside of the gate and he looked up, and it was as if it was like a smaller roof. Right. Maybe tying in that, you know, the guy came out and went onto the roof, jumped from the roof back onto the street. No one sees him. No one hears him. Yeah, could have been. It could have been. That's all interesting, man. The show is so interesting. I can't believe, in a weird way, I can't believe there's only three left, but I, I can't believe there's still three left. Exactly. Because you know I mean? it seems like we're so close to finding out what's going to happen. That but it's like, how can you get through, like, how can you get through the next three episodes? But at the same time, it's like, man, the show's so good. We only have three episodes agreed. left. Agreed. So, if you haven't been watching, we might have spoiled everything the last three episodes, but I still... And if you... It's still visually great. You know what I mean? It's still worth watching visually. The way the the show is shot. And if you're listening to the PGP and and you've known that we've been doing this and you still haven't watched it, please watch it because it's amazing and you won't be wasting your time. Right. And share your night of, or even if you've been to any of these Hall of Fames and have some takes, share any of those thoughts with us on Twitter. You can follow Joe D on Twitter. At Joe D CBS. You can follow me on Twitter at Miraz CBS. Thank you guys very much for listening. Have a freaking great weekend. How about that? We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.